Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Starbucks. I'm your host, Anthony Donardo. With me, we have Jim. Jim, happy Monday. Happy Monday. Good morning. Hope you had a good weekend. It's a, it's a wonderful morning. It's a great morning. This is the last... I think so, right? Let me make sure I'm saying this correctly. Yes, this is the last like full week where there's no baseball involved. Because next week, there will be baseball involved. Pitchers and catches will be reporting. That's true. Um, yeah, when we're on here next week, we will be talking about uh, Super Bowl be done, and we'll be two yeah. days away from pitchers and catchers. That's cool stuff. That's wonderful. I'm ready. I'm so ready for this. I'm ready. I don't know if the Pirates are ready, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm ready. I hope they're not. But it feels like they might. <laughs> but no, honestly, though, like think about that. Really think about that. I mean, like spring is nearing. the The days are getting a little bit longer. I think it's getting kind of warmer. I think so. Baseball is returning. It's getting warmer. It's I went feeling. golfing. I went golfing yesterday. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's getting warmer. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's 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 a really good time right now. Yeah, I don't. I didn't golf very well. You know, it was my first time out this year, but I, I was technically golfing yesterday. That's all you need. Yeah, technically golfing yesterday. That's the headline of this show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess into the baseball world, um, Pirates world, not a whole lot. We're going to talk about some rumors today. Uh, maybe an impl- implication of another signing, but. Uh, Corbin Burns was traded to the Orioles. That's Huge. that's some pretty big news. That hits home as well. Blockbuster. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if I'll call it a blockbuster, but it was a it was a move. I'm gonna go ahead and say it's a blockbuster. I mean, that's the okay. that's the biggest trade of the offseason. Right? That's fair. I think, yeah. I mean, you've got you've got a, a Cy Young winner. Going to a team who uh, probably—I mean, they're—they're they're the favorites to win the American League now. They may have been the favorites before this, but adding Corbin Burns to that rotation, like that's what they were missing. That was the missing piece for Baltimore—is like that—that that ace, and they—they they got him, and that they got idea. him without. And they got him without really doing any damage whatsoever right. to their to their current team, and probably probably their future teams. Like they 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 dealt a. I mean, DL Hall's got really good stuff, but I don't know if DL Hall's anything but a relief pitcher. Um, Joey Ortiz, he's fine, but I mean, no guarantee. He's he's a productive major leaguer, um, and then a future comp pick, like yeah. They did a good job. I was I was bashing the Orioles um, about a week or two ago, and I was like, if I were an Orioles fan right now, I have no idea. Like I would be so mad, so mad. Like they've got this stacked team of young talent, and they just went out there and they they did nothing all off season. Um, well, this was something. This was a big something that they went out there and did. So, um, so yeah, Orioles fans should be happy right now. They're they're in a good spot. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, I don't know if they were the favorites beforehand, 
Uh, you could certainly imagine them being the favorites right now. But like this is definitely a big move for them. Like this is the move that that certainly solidifies them to be in that category because we know how young they are. We know how talented they are. We know how deep their farm is everywhere, right? Uh, I mean, the offense is definitely really good. The pitching's fair. I mean, the, first off, we've, we've talked about the bullpen, I think, for like the past two years. We know that bullpen's really good. They've just needed that 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 dude in the rotation, like especially if you're thinking playoffs. Like They have enough to get them through the season, right? They have that guy that's going to take them into the playoffs. This is what that move does. Like, I felt like they had enough to get them to the playoffs, right? Now they're starting to look scary for the playoffs with Corbin Burns. So, and like you hitting on the head here too. What did they give up? Like really like think about what did they give up? I mean, as a Brewers fan, I don't know if you'll be like totally upset about this. Like it's one year of Corbin Burns in that aspect, right? Knowing it's one year of Corbin Burns. You can be upset that, You've traded Corbin Burns, so now the 2024 season is looking kind of suspect. But for the return of Corbin Burns, you can say it's, it's not terrible. Like you might not be totally upset, but like as an Orioles fan, you've given up pieces that you're never going to use, likely ever going to use because of how deep. Like this is what we're talking about. You have built, you have worked so hard to build this up that you're able to trade pieces that you're not going to use to get a Cy Young winner. Yeah, the um, the Orioles ta- have just stockpile talent, right? I mean, Joey Ortiz is a top 100 prospect. Uh, he's a shortstop. He, he, but but guess what? They have the number one prospect in baseball, who's also a shortstop, who yeah. is just looking like he's going to be an absolute superstar. So it's like, hey, Joey Ortiz completely expendable. And if right. Joey Ortiz can help you get a Cy Young winner, then you trade Joey Ortiz because you don't need him. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, hell of a trade by the Orioles. If I'm an Orioles fan, I'm pretty excited right now. You just your team just got bought by a couple of billionaires who and so you hope that that they're, you know, in the mood to spend some money. Um, you just acquired Corbin Burns. You've got a really good team going in the next year. Yeah, Orioles fans, they've uh they've been through a lot these last uh, handful of years. So that is the thing the Orioles, you know, obviously the Pirates Pirates fans are kind of looking at the Orioles as like, this is what we want to become, right? Mm-hmm. Like Orioles went through a rough rebuild, like tough stretch of just awful, awful, awful baseball. Uh, but in doing so, they uh, they acquired a lot of really good guys and developed a lot of really young talent. Um, so they uh, they hit with a, with a lot of their prospects especially on the offensive side. I don't know if the Pirates are going to hit so far. I mean, the Pirates haven't produced any of those Adley, Rushman, Gunner, Henderson, Jackson, Holiday-type guys yet. And the Orioles have just been, like, spewing them out year after year. So, uh, it's... uh, Orioles definitely have done better their rebuild than the Pirates. Let's uh, let's just say that. Now, they, they started a little bit earlier, too, but the Pirates don't have any players in their system on the offensive side that can do what these Orioles guys can do. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It, it's tough to... If you're a Pirates fan, like, don't look at the Orioles and say that's what you're trying to go after because, like, it's not, it's not there. It's not happening. But let me try to take a step back also. 
what the Orioles are doing is like an anomaly. I mean, they have, like you said, they've hit, like they've almost perfectly executed this flawlessly, you know? So it's one of those things too. It's like, it's hard to mimic and, and replicate something that's almost impossible to be done. So like, that's a very high standard, but the, like the issue is like the pirates really aren't close because the major league talent of the Orioles is like, you just said, it's a team that could have been, fighting for the the AL East title like right now and then they added Corbin Burns without touching much of their prospect capital that's worth anything and like they're still the best farm system in the league in the in the whole MLB so like that's what we're talking about here you know imagine okay you have Ono Cruz at second and so say Piguero was like the top rated second baseman and just a stud and they traded Nick Gonzalez and something else, you know, like you're talking about this, this fashion here to get Corbin Burns. Like that's what we're talking about. But the pirates have two guys that you're not even sure of. are going to make it for second base, like ever you hope, right? Like that's again, like that's where we're at. So the difference here, but what I want to do is I want to flip it over to the Milwaukee Brewers side, because we have been talking about the Brewers and it looks as if, the Brewers maybe aren't going to be told. I mean, we've been hearing that they're kind of leaning towards keeping Corbin Burns. If they're going to keep Corbin Burns, that makes sense. They're going to try to go ahead and, and see what they can do for 2024. Maybe the deadline, they make the decision, right? Well, the decision's been made. They traded Corbin Burns. So now it makes me feel like, okay, the retool is definitely on. So whoever now at this point has like a one-year deal left is, is definitely on the table. Uh, the NL Central just kind of opened up even more. Because this was the the team that won it last year, right? Ninety two yeah. wins, I believe it was, right, Jim? Somewhere in that area. If you don't know, I think it was ninety two. I don't know. Yeah, I'm but on. yeah, like now the NL Central is wide open. Yeah, and I looked at when the when the trade as soon as the trade went down, I was curious to just see like what Vegas thought of it. Like, what does Vegas now think of the Milwaukee Brewers and you know, before this, the Brewers were supposed to, I think, finish in you know second or third place. But they were they were going to be over five hundred. They were still going to be a decent team. Right now, tr- after trading Corbin Burns, their uh, their their win total is down to seventy six and a half. So Vegas doesn't have a whole lot of confidence that that Milwaukee is much of a contending team anymore. Yeah. Now at seventy six and a half in this division. If I were if I were betting on that, I'd probably still go over just looking at this Milwaukee team. But uh, their pitching staff isn't great at all anymore. Um, it, it's actually kind of similar to the Pirates situation where you've got like one really good established starting pitcher that you can rely on, and then they just kind of pieced it together with with other guys. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I think you've got to put the Pirates and the I don't think the Pirates and the Brewers are that far apart right now when it comes to the talent on their team. And like, it who knows what Churio? On... Yeah, like if, if it depends on who Churio is. If Jackson Churio is a stud, then you know there's a, there's maybe a difference maker. But other than that, I'm looking at these two teams and the Brewers don't look that great on paper. No, I mean, you're absolutely correct. But I think the other thing, too, is like, does this also set off another, I want to say flurry of trades? I don't think they have like that many to be a flurry, but like, 
Adamas is is he gone? It's, yeah, I mean, it they, like they they're just listening said, on to him. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, if Adamas goes, right. then that changes things even more. And then Devin Williams, you know, is is he gone? Probably. So it's like I don't know if they're finished yet. So they could dip down a little bit less what they have. But I'm I'm with you. Like there's now some similarities to like them and the Pirates, you know. But it just we've seen what the Reds have been doing. You see the Cardinals are getting better, right? And like when I look at the landscape, like the Cardinals' future still doesn't look strong. Like I get that. I mean, their their farm isn't that good. It's, it's still there, but it's not that good. Their major leagues team still kind of suspect, but they definitely got better this year. Uh, the Reds, they look. They look kind of not saying Orioles ish, but you look at them. The major league team has talent. The farm's still there. The Cubs have a lot of talent in the farm. The major league team was it's already better. They haven't done a whole lot this offseason. It's funny how you say like the Orioles. You know, like as a Cubs fan, I'd also kind of be upset how this offseason has gone. It's not over yet. Oh yeah, Bellinger yeah. could still land there, and, and things are different now. But mm-hmm. um, like there's definitely up and coming. And the Brewers here, it's like. They're tearing down like, like everyone just like at that 80 mark range. Like they're all mm-hmm. right around there. Like no one, like no one's really, really good. They're all just sitting right there. And it's just like, what a year to capitalize. And it's just kind of funny because really no one's doing it. No. I mean, you mentioned the Cubs. The, the Cubs have signed Imanaga. That's really all they've done up to this point. And they got a new coach, right? Yeah. Um so yeah, if you're Which a Cubs great fan, signing, by the way, great signing. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, even August signing's good, but like, yeah, you're the Cubs. You expect to do something, and 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 like you mentioned, this division's wide open. If there's anybody in a position to just break it open, it's the Cubs. Like they've they've got the money to do it. They're really the only team in the division where if they wanted to, they could just say, "Shit, we're gonna go out there and spend 250 million dollars next year." They have yeah. that capability. Mine. Um, so it's like they, they just haven't done it. Um, adding Bellinger definitely makes that team, you know, a little bit better. But at the same time, you still don't. Bellinger's not the guy he used to be. I think he's still a really good player, but he's not the guy he used to be. Um, but yeah, it's going to it's gonna be an interesting season. I think the Pirates are putting themselves in a position where if they can still, they can still add a couple more pieces here. You've got to feel better about their chances heading into the year. So I think, um, you know, up to this point, the off season hasn't been good, but they're still in a spot where if they can add a couple more people, they could, they could compete in this division because it's not that good. 100% agree. And that's been the problem. Like, that's why we've been pounding the table on this so much is because they certainly can. It, it, I'm not saying they needed to make that deal, right? But like, if the Pirates were to add a Corbin Burns to this team right now, do you not see him say, "Okay, you know what?" Like, they're Corbin Burns, Mitch Keller. I know there's some suspect pieces afterwards, but like, I feel more comfortable. I, I feel more confident that they could fill that out, number three through five, with all the parts they have. Crew's coming back, right? Cutch is here. Mm-hmm. First base is still kind of, I don't know what's going on there, but you know what? Maybe something happens. Maybe make a trade the deadline. But like, it's enough to really keep them there. And, you know, come July, you're looking and saying, you know what? They can make the push and make something happen. But they just haven't done that. 
They just haven't they haven't taken the reins and said, we are going to compete. They said, Yeah, we're gonna compete. That's you know, like okay, that doesn't right. sound real confident. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it, but you're not really showing it, you know what I mean? And that's but again, that's what's kind of ironic. Like the Reds have done some stuff, they've certainly improved, they've they've surrounded themselves, you know, themselves with some better pieces, but it was kind of rumor they were in Ellen Dylan Cease, and you know, they're they're trying really in on Sonny Gray and stuff. Like it seemed as if they were going to get that dude in the rotation as well, and they haven't done that. You know, the Cubs rumor that they're gonna they're in on Otani. Right, like yeah. they they were going to spend this off season and they didn't. So again, like no one has really gone out there and like taken the throat of the NL Central and said this is going to be mine, which still does give the Pirates a chance. But in my my aspect, right, my point of view is like they're still down here where everyone's still a little bit above them, where things stand. Yeah, I I, I think that's a good assessment there. Um. Pit City, what says just guess, get another starting pitcher and we'll have a winning team. Um, I, I mean, it depends on who that starting pitcher is, right? Mel, Melman well, says yeah. I'd be all in for Lozardo. Like, if you go out there and you get Lozardo, then yeah, you're, you're probably you're talking about a team that is certainly capable of finishing in the middle of the NL Central, which is going to be right around that 500 mark. Um, not a Brad Keller. Not a Brad Keller. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be opposed to Brad Keller just based off of what they have. But like, I mean, I think they there's there's still a little bit better options out there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know they were linked to, to a couple people yesterday. Um, we're we're seeing a lot of Michael A. Taylor, you know, smoke here lately. We're seeing a lot of Gary Sanchez smoke. Um. Tony Kemp was a name that was brought up last night too by by Robert Murray. Um, Tony Kemp's not good anymore, but then you know the more I kind of got thinking, like if Tony Kemp pushes G1 Bay off of the roster, then Tony Kemp may be the better option there. Um, I don't like Tony Kemp. Don't get me wrong, but I also don't like G1 Bay. But so I get what you're it's saying. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's not a good baseball player anymore. Um, but let's let's kind of dive into that. I, I think those those guys in particular, Michael A. Taylor, Tony Kemp, Gary Sanchez, those are the names we've seen the Pirates be tied to. There's still some starting pitching out there. I think out of the available guys, you know, Clevenger is certainly the most talented when it comes to players in the Pirates price range, just assuming that Montgomery and Snell are not in that. Right. So it there's still moves to be made. We're we're nine games out from pitchers and catchers reporting, and there are still people out there who can help this team. Yeah, and it's weird because it's like it's kind of sad, and that's just the state of baseball. Like I get it, it is what it is, right? But like it is February fifth, and there really is a lot of free agents out, left out there, but. To the positive point, it is February 5th, and there's a lot of free agents like still out there that can help this team get better. And so they still have the ability to improve and feel better about this team competing. And I'm I'm with you, man. Like those those three names, I think all three of them to many different degrees make the team better. Um Tony Kemp, whatever, right? Like, like I'm with you on that. Like he's just really not that good, but he bring to me. It's funny. Like he's kind of like the the Jared Dyson. The way I say that is, 
I think he helps a playoff team, but I don't think he helps a team trying to get to the playoffs. If that makes sense. So like, I don't know if the fit for the pirates really makes a whole lot of sense, but like Tony Kemp in the playoffs, like he could be, he could have a moment for sure with that type of speed. You know what he does and stuff like that. He could have a moment, but I don't think he's going to get you to the playoffs. <laughs> so, but like, let's start, let's start with, we've talked a little bit about Michael A. Taylor. Let's start and talk about Gary Sanchez. Cause that's a name that's crept up this week and multiple times. I don't know if they, I don't know if they, is like actually heating up or going to come together. But we talked about adding a third catcher. We talked about like Kurt Casale last week. Like those like mid-tier catchers will actually like kind of below mid-tier, but just the ones that can kind of supplement the catching depth, help out if Henry Davis doesn't. This is different. And I say this too, because I didn't expect by any means to be attached to a Gary Sanchez. Yeah. He's not I, the Gary Sanchez of like the old Yankees, but like it's still Gary Sanchez. When he's still he can still hit like he showed you last year. He is certainly still capable of hitting um, one eleven weighted runs created plus defensively. The metrics like him at catcher. Now that's different. This is, this is where catching metrics kind of are weird, right? Because I think we've all seen Gary Sanchez catch and it's like, is he really a good catcher? Because if he was, he wouldn't be getting like run out of cities and, be playing minor league baseball and getting DFA three times. Right. Um, so I'm a little like, like people, people bringing up fan graphs, defensive metrics on Gary Sanchez. And I'm like, eh, let's pump the brakes there a little bit. Like maybe he's good at framing. Right. But, but it seems like teams don't really like him when it comes to any other aspect. Here's my idea. And I, I put it out on Twitter a little bit ago, but like can Gary Sanchez play first base. <laughs> Seriously, like if Gary Sanchez can, if Gary Sanchez can play first base then, and catch, like if he can do a little bit of both, then I really, really like this, right? Um, if you're signing him as just like a, a backup catcher or you're signing him to just split time with Henry Davis so Davis can can kind of move around if you need him to, um, then then I'm 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 all in for this Gary Sanchez signing. Let me just say that. Like if we can bring in Gary Sanchez, I'm for it. He makes the team better, especially offensively. Like you're going from a J you're, right now you're going from backup catcher Jason Delay, who's got like a 50 weighted runs created plus, 60 maybe. Like way he's he's a bad hitter, right? He's a bad hitter. He's a decent backup catcher in the majors, but he's a bad hitter. Right. Gary Sanchez automatically makes that catching position kind of like a strength offensively for you. And yeah, if he has the ability to be versatile and also play first base every now and then, maybe against lefties, then I like this a lot. I'm sure you saw it. Let's put it out there. He has four total career oh, innings at first. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, he has not yeah. played first base much in his right. career. So I just say, because I, I didn't look, I was curious. I'm sure, you know, people listening want to hear. So yeah, it's it's... It's four total career innings at first, but zero so, errors in those four things. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's something worth like wondering about. Like, can he? Because that that makes this that's icing on the cake. Like that makes the move even better right now because of what can transpire this upcoming year and like what you see at first base already, right? But like my mind's kind of I don't know if it's to the like the same level. And of course, the other one's way more athletic, whatever. But like. 
the loss of Endy, like suddenly almost becomes mitigated. Like you're not really thinking because if you add a Gary Sanchez, they're different players, but it's almost like okay, it's it's Endy and Henry again. Like it's it's Gary and Henry. It's they're going to split time back there, play around again. Like we don't know if Gary could play first. Endy could, right? course you had the dh there as well so like you can you can mix things and, and move things and maneuver it to get both of them adequate plate appearance or adequate time behind the plate and uh that's what this does and like and again it bumps down jason's lay a little bit i don't know what's gonna happen like if they're gonna carry three catchers i i doubt it with Andy and henry you can kind of see it because there's more flexibility i feel like but uh this definitely makes that catching position much stronger and you feel comfortable. Like we talked about starting pitching, like if adding a Corbin Burns, you now feel comfortable with that rotation. Like now I feel comfortable again with the starting catching because we're not sure about Henry Davis and I'm good and comfortable that delay is a good, like good enough backup. Now, like if it ends up that Henry Davis can't catch and like, he's just awful behind the plate and it's Gary and delay. I'm cool with that. Like I feel good. Yeah. Now. If- yeah, if Jason Delay is like your 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 depth now at catcher, where he's your third string catcher, I feel I feel a lot better. Yep, I agree. I really want this signing to happen, and I would since say it when is it comes, February fifth. Yeah, I was just gonna say since it is February fifth, and I don't doesn't seem like there's much demand out there. Like it it could be a very reasonable signing for the Pirates. It could be reasonable. I don't think it would cost a whole lot. Um, and I said, depending on if he can play first, if he can play first, then do it. Like, do it now. Um, if he can't play first, I'd still do it, but it just offers a little bit less in terms of, of like versatility. But if he can play first base, yeah, make, make this happen. Um, I would say, like, he's not my number one target right now, but he is, he's, Number three, he'd be my n- number three target at the present moment. I think that's fair. I-, I think he's more of a luxury, but like a really good fitting luxury. <clears throat> yeah, like I don't. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like they they probably don't need they don't need Gary Sanchez, but he he would be helpful. Yeah, right. So then let's go to what I think is probably your number one move. Again. It's still rumored. Is that Michael A. Taylor? Is he number one? I would say a, another starting pitcher is my number one move, but Michael A. Taylor would be, okay. would be number two to that. Um, I, I've, I've talked about it many, many times. Michael A. Taylor's bat isn't anything to necessarily be you know desired, but the glove is so good. Um, and the Pirates are still kind of without that true center fielder. They don't have one on their roster. Jack Sawinski showed that he's capable of playing the position. But I think if you could just say, hey, Jack Swinski, you're now a part-time center fielder, but you're going to really just, you're going to play right field. You don't need to focus a whole lot on the defensive side of the ball. Just focus on mashing, right? What would what, what, what I say yesterday, uh, last week or two weeks ago? Just focus on being better than Brian Reynolds. That's all you got to do. Um, <laughs> there it is. But no, I think I think Michael Taylor, you bring him in, you kind of that that defensive outfield that outfield all of a sudden is is a is pretty good um, with with Reynolds and Swinsky in the corners Taylor roaming center field Taylor also brings that 
you know, some pop from the right-hand side that the Pirates don't have. They're lacking. Uh, he's going to strike out. He's not going to get on base a ton. Like here, he's he's going to bat eighth or ninth in the lineup. But from a defensive standpoint, he's worth bringing in, and he pushes some people off of this roster and back into that depth depth spot, right? Like, like Palacios probably starts here in AAA if if mm-hmm. if you if you bring in Michael A. Taylor, um, which is probably where he should be. And I love Joshua Palacios, but probably shouldn't be in on the majors and on a team that wants to contend. So it, it's just, it, it, it extends the lineup a little bit more. Um, and it adds that it, it puts Jack Sawinski in a position that he probably is just better at. Yeah. Again, to say it, like, I think that just, that signing just makes everyone else better. And that's why it's good. It's not so much that Michael A. Taylor is his great player. He's good enough, but it puts everyone else in a better position to make the team better. And uh, so I, that's why I'm with you on that as well. Um, I mean, honestly, like if you were to bring in Gary Sanchez and Michael A. Taylor on this team, it's you, you look at the lineup and like it's it's not that bad. It's it's really not. Again, like Cruz is coming back. Hopefully he's something. I'm not ready to say he's going to be a superstar, but like if he can come back and, and be something, like if he can show he's an everyday player and he can hit. I mean, there's already Reynolds there. You got Kutch coming back, right? Cabrine. Uh, hopefully there's still something with him that we saw the second half, right? Like you keep looking at this lineup a little bit and like it, it's it's getting a little bit deeper now. Jack Sawinski, right? Better than Brian Reynolds, like you say. <laughs> um, but again, like, but also like now Jack Sawinski's in right field where he did stack up pretty well, you know, statistically and such. And, you know, take that pressure off of being in center. Michael A. Taylor's in center. Now your pitching staff gets a little bit better because the outfield is better, you know, and you already have Cabrian Hayes at third. So that pitching staff's going to be better than what they probably should be to begin with. So it's like, yeah, like, like adding him just makes everyone else a little bit better. And that's why it's a really good signing. Yeah. I, I, Taylor, I think is a must sign at this point. Um, and, you got to go out there and get a starting pitcher and, and whether that's via a free agency signing, whether that's via a trade, like they still got to go out there and get one more person. I don't think you can rely on Ortiz, Falter, Priester, Contreras to fill out two spots in that rotation right off the get go. Yep. You, you got to get, you got to get one more. I'm comfortable giving one spot to the winner of those four guys, but you gotta, you gotta go out there and get one more major league starting pitcher. Like you just have Absolutely. to, if you want to be serious about contending, you got to go out there and get somebody. Cause right now this team has Mitch Keller and six, seven, number five starters, basically like that's going, that, that, that'll get you through a year, but it's not going to put you in a position to win a lot of baseball games. Yep. And to kind of, I mean, you know, there's already people out there that, well, it doesn't make sense. Skeens is there. Jones is there. JT's coming back. Burrow's coming back. Like, look at all the pitches coming back. We don't have, look, they're going to block people. You're going to block people. It's just like, things will work themselves out. Like, you know why JT's going to be back? You know why Burrow's going to be back? Because injuries happen. Things happen that you don't plan for. So, if you happen to have too many pitchers and all these guys are coming back, you don't have room. Well, for one, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be too good, <laughs> right? 
The other thing is yeah. like you, you can also trade like you, you, you still need to get through until those guys come back. Right. So go out there and get some of that will. And if all of them come back and everyone's playing well and everyone's healthy and you're just looking at too many assets then trade them, trade somebody. You can do that too. Right. Like if Skeens is just tearing it up and you want to give him the call because he's going to make ourselves better, but you just have too many guys, trade somebody. Trade Marco Gonzalez at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know? Just go ahead and do it. But you've now put yourself in the position that you can do it. And Marco Gonzalez allowed you to stay afloat until Skeens was ready to come up and dominate. But what if Skeens isn't ready? Right? What if Jared Jones isn't ready? What if Burroughs has some setbacks with his injuries what if jt has a, like there's so many there's so many question marks so like add yourself some assurance until you're ready to make the decision then so yeah like for everyone that's that's worried about you know blocking the future well also let's point out the four guys you talked about quinn priest or ronzi luis ortiz like like that was the future for years ago are we worried about blocking them right now no so Right. <clears throat> There's no guarantee those guys you talk about right now are going to be anything either. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Honestly, like if this if this team seriously got, say it is a Clevenger, right? You got a Clevenger, you got a Michael A. Taylor, and you got Gary Sanchez. Like none of those are like premier free agents. None of those is like, oh wow, you got Cody Bellinger. Oh wow, you got Blake Snell. But just those three, and you're still probably hovering or at least right or, you know, under the hundred million dollar payroll threshold. I like the team now. If they go out there and they get those three guys, Clevenger, Sanchez, and um, Taylor, they have now put their money where their mouth is. Like when they say that they're they're planning on competing this year, that I can get on board with it. I'll say, you know what, off season probably not the not what I would have done, but they mm-hmm. they figured out a way to do it and to go into the season with a competent looking team. And like you get those three guys and all of a sudden you're right in the thick of things. Absolutely. I think the way to view it is things didn't go as planned, but they didn't use that as an excuse. Like they had to shift the plan B, it had to shift the plan C, but they still had other plans and they executed them. Opposed to just saying, well, we weren't on some of these pitchers. They told us no. So we said, I guess we're not going to get any. You know what I mean? Like they, they shifted, and I'm sure like their plan wasn't going to get Clevenger and Gary Sanchez, and Michael A. Taylor, but because the other plans didn't work out, they still executed. That's how I look at it. And they still ensure themselves to be in a position that they could potentially compete or whatnot. So yeah, like I don't think this is like the answer this offseason. I don't think anyone's pound on the table. Like this is who we need to be good, but they they didn't stay content and satisfied after they missed out. So I'm with you. Those three, I look at this team and I say, let's go. This team can fight. Let's see what happens till July. And if at that point in time, like you're still in it, you need to add some more pieces. Like you're, you put yourself in a position that you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you, Pit City. Way. What? Pit City. What? Nice, nice. Uh, you know, early morning donation there. Thanks for the content. Fingers crossed for 500 this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I think 500 is well within reach at this point. Like if if some things go well, 
And if you do those three things, then I think 500 is like your minimum expectation. It sets it sets the bar differently. And, yep. and again, my biggest thing is it it mitigates some risk, that variability, right? The floor just increases. Maybe your ceiling's right about the same, but you just risen the floor. Yeah. Chortle also wants to add here, for the record, Swinsky grays out very well with outs above average at center field. I'm aware of that. Um, when it comes to uh, uh, my eyes above average, though, he, he doesn't. Like, I think you got to kind of look at both. Um, you started counting that arm yeah, as well. That know. doesn't go into outs above average. <laughs> yeah, the arm's not great, the arm, which means it's not going to play well in right field either, but I feel like you don't have to use it as much over there. Right. Agree. And Michael A. Taylor is on a whole other level, like when we're talking about center field defense. The guy has very much club. so. The guy has won a gold glove. They could win more. So there's the rumors of this week. So, I mean, I guess the good thing is like, there's still rumors out there for the pirates. You know, it, it would be different if it was still like completely radio silent and you're not hearing anything. So you're still very much questioning how this is going to shape up going into pitches and catches reporting next week. Um, so it seems as if they, like seems like the mindset is they're not content. They are going out there to try to add. So that's good. That's, that's good to know. Um, what transpires, we'll find out. But um, another move that actually happened, um, and this is one also because there was like some potential link right to the Pirates. It's Carlos Santana. A lot people maybe speculated, make maybe bring back Santana. Um, he loved it here, right? It's just a good fit. He's he was a really good first baseman defensively last year. the The bat was okay, like it, it was good enough. The defense held everything up. I mean, he's still close to like a, being like a three war player last year. All said and done. Uh, so yeah, like, what if they brought back Carlos Gonz or Santana? And that's not going to happen because Carlos Santana signed with the Twins officially this this weekend for a one year, what five point two five million dollar deal. Not a lot of money at all, Jim. Not a lot of money at all. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Jason Mackey was speculating earlier in the offseason that Santana maybe played his way out of the Pirates' price range. And he ends up getting basically two million dollars more than Rowdy Telez. Also, Telez probably has like the bigger upside. Like, like let's be real. Like Telez is certainly capable. I think of hitting like thirty homers. Um, I don't think he's going to do it, but you know, he he did it two years ago. Uh, Santana just doesn't have that in him anymore. Santana is probably going to give you the higher floor, right? I mean, Telez is yes. certainly capable. Telez is also capable of going out there and putting up a negative one war season where I don't think you're going to see that at Santana. So it would have been nice to have brought him back. Um, you know, the two of them, I think, could have made a pretty uh, decent first base platoon. I, I if we were going to bring back Santana, I would have probably just rather not brought in Telez at all, for being honest. But it sounds like we're, we're, we're stuck with Telez. As of right now, he's he's going to be getting the bulk of the at-bats at first base. Um, one of our new bloggers, Frank, wrote a wrote a nice article there about what you should expect from uh, Rowdy Telez this coming season. So make sure you check that out, NorthShore9.com, um, which we've got new bloggers, by the way. Four new bloggers. Yep. Four new bloggers on NorthShore9.com. Um, so a lot of content coming there, too. Yeah, I... I 
I'm not going to get too upset about not signing Carlos Santana. At this point, I think he's better used as like the short side pl- short side platoon at first base. Like I don't I don't know if you want to play him every day like the Pirates did last year. And honestly, if going back to our earlier conversation, if Gary Sanchez can play first, I'd rather have him. That's fair. Um kind of. So I guess here's here's my viewpoint on everything with, with the Carlos Santana. In a vacuum, if if you don't, if you miss out, we'll say miss out for this. If you miss out on getting Carlos Santana, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. Okay. Again, he he is aging. Like we liked the signing last year. We thought there was definitely reason to believe that he's not as bad, bad as he was in 2022. You know, with the with the shift being gone and such, like you can certainly see him being better. And you know what, Jim? He was. We, we nailed that. He was better. But he's also now a year older. Like, like he's an aging vet. He's one that shown that he is good, gets along great with the clubhouse, you know, and defensively, he's really good as well. And I think that's important this year. Um, also, that's what we get to here. But like, you can see, like, you could also naturally see a decline because, like, he again, he is aging. Like, I'm not saying that you're going to sign him and get what you got last year. So, like, you could probably see a deficit in his production. That's safe to assume. So, like, if you're not going to get a Santana, it's fine. I think what maybe happened here is. And this isn't like fault them, right? This is just rationally thinking what probably happened. But they probably thought he was going to get a bigger deal. And they knew they needed something. And they knew what their budget was, right? So Roddy Tellez was available. We can get him at this price. Let's lock that in so we have the flexibility for other pieces. I think they just jumped on Tellez quite early. Like I honestly feel, because everyone's talking about why would you do this versus $2 million? I kind of feel like, if the Pirates knew he would find, sign for $5.25 million, they might have made that deal. I'm just assuming. Again, I, I can't say anything, right? But right. I almost feel like maybe if if that's what they knew was going to happen very, very early in the offseason, while they still had many other pieces to fill, that was more of a need than a luxury, maybe they don't jump onto Les. So maybe that's just not evaluating the market as well as needed, which I can understand. Could have been, I mean, also Santana not evaluating the market as well. Right. I mean, right. You, you don't know that too. I mean, maybe they offered him like a five or six or seven million dollar deal. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. no. And like, okay, I would have like, thought, yeah, I would have expected Santana to sign for more than he did. Right. I, I would have thought he, especially after the season that he had, he had a pretty good year. You know, I don't think like eight million dollars out of the question for, for a player like that. And he he may have been expecting the same, but maybe at the end of the day, it just wasn't out there. Right. Maybe the Pirates offered him, yeah, one year, six million. And he was like, nah, I can do better than that. And he didn't. Yep. And it, it, like, this isn't to try to push anything into the mouths of the Pirates, but, they did, right. but like, this I is just see that scenario happening. Yeah. Pure speculation. And, right. So it, it is what it is at this point in time. That's what happened. Um, but what I'll, I'll get to is. You say about Gary Sanchez, and like I think it's still good, but like I, I'm also, it does make me nervous that like Rowdy Telez and, and like a Gary Sanchez is your first baseman because again, like with Cruz coming back, like that is also why you got Carlos Santana make a whole lot of sense because we talk how like Michael A. Taylor makes other players better, like a Carlos Santana could make an O'Neill Cruz better because we we understand he's a very talented player at shortstop. 
but we also understand some of his issues and it's with throwing and Carlos Santana could potentially help him be a better shortstop. I'm not totally convinced that like Gary Sanchez and Rodney Tellez are going to do that for O'Neill Cruz. So that's a little bit where my worry is on that aspect. I think as a team, it makes him better, but like Carlos Santana might not be as like the ceiling's not there. Like Rodney Tellez, you talk about totally understand the four is definitely there. And I think he also makes Cruz better at his position where you don't really get that now. That's just the downfall on that side. That's all I'm going to say. That, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, Cruz definitely has shown throughout his whole career, minors, majors, that, you know, the the throwing accuracy is, I wouldn't say it's a problem, right? I mean, it hasn't become a problem yet, but it's mm-hmm. it's certainly a weak point in his game, right? Uh, and, and yeah, having like an experienced first baseman who's good over there is only going to help him. I mean, you saw kind of how he was when you put first basemen over there who aren't real first basemen and, you know, it, it causes some issues. So, yeah, maybe having somebody over there who's a little bit more consistent helps save a couple errors per year. I'm not I'm not making a first base decision, though, just based off of what if my shortstop throws a couple balls in the dirt, though, like that. That's fair. Yeah, that's not why I'm signing a first baseman. Like, just just catch the ball. Like, at the end of the day, you're a pro. Just figure out how to do it. So, like, I promise, sorry. Jim, we've like, seen plenty of yeah. pros like, not be able like, to figure out just, how to do it in Pittsburgh. Like, just figure it out. Figure out how to catch the 98-mile-an-hour ball in the dirt. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you're right. You're right. You're right. We've just seen that it doesn't happen. Yeah. But at any rate, if you're yeah. O'Neill Cruz, just don't throw the ball in the dirt. Throw the ball at the guy's chest. Make it easy on there him. There you go. But um, let's say, like, at any rate, though, like, I- I'm with you, too. Like, I'm not worried that they missed out on Carlos Santana. But I do just feel as if I don't think the Pirates probably said, for th- we need to save $2 million. Right? Less is the better value with the $2 million less dollars. I, I truly probably feel as if both, like you said, both parties involved in this also, Santana and the Pirates, felt he was going to get much more. So they probably jumped on Rowdy Telez at that price point to to lock up that position, almost like the Ali Sanchez thing. You know, like they knew the issue here is go get Ali Sanchez. So at least we have that comfortability there. And then it was like, oh, we could have had Santana for 5.25. They didn't think that would happen. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I would, if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather have Santana. Yes. <laughs> So, with wrapping up the Santana news here, um, anything else that we want to dive into? Talk about? I was trying to think of anything else that we missed. I don't. I don't know if we have. I think we talked about just about everything. Pretty sure. So then, let's get out of here. Let's do it. Let's enjoy this Monday. Yep. We are now. Was it nine days? Officially nine days from pitchers and catchers. Nine days from pitchers and catchers. Yep. So uh, enjoy it. 19 days until the first spring training game. Also, that means 19 days for us being in Bradenton for the first spring training game in Bradenton. I guess 20 days. The the weather in Bradenton, I think the week so far, I mean, this extended forecast is going to be like in the 70s. So we need, we need to, we need to pump those numbers up a bit. Let's get them into the 80s. <laughs> pump up them rookie numbers. <laughs> yeah. Those are rookie numbers. Pump them. We got to pump those numbers. Yeah. Up. So, sun, yeah. 
let's go sun do your job heat up that florida coast so that it's like 80 degrees when we get down there i'm just i've unloaded some aerosol cans already i'm trying jim yeah <laughs> we need that whole nose on layer Good. yeah wide open <laughs> all right let's definitely get out of here then appreciate everyone for watching as always we'll be back this week for ns9 live um yeah baseball's coming so see you soon bye-bye see you guys hey you all thank you for watching i know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible so uh, i know it doesn't seem like a lot but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page it helps out so much more than you know thank you and let's go bucks